All opinions and views expressed on this podcast do not reflect official policy or position of the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or the United States government. Hello, airmen, soldiers, sailors, marines, guardians, and all the rest of you humans out there, and welcome to Engaged, a Joint Base McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst Diversity and Inclusion Podcast. I'm your host, Chip. And I'm Rafi. And we are on location today at a very new place for us, the, the Pentagon, uh, and we have two awesome guests. We have the superintendent to the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Senior Master Sergeant Select, Patrick P.J. Bolden and the aide-de-camp to the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Lieutenant Colonel Jessica Jaguar-Garini. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Awesome. I'm excited to be here. Thank you all for having Pumped us. Pumped up. Yeah, super excited. Thank you for having us here. This has been a great experience. Uh, let's just get to know each other real quick. Senior PJ, uh, tell yes. us a little bit about yourself, please. Uh, so my name is uh, Mass Sergeant Patrick Bowden, Senior Select. Uh, go by PJ. I've uh, been in the military now about 16 years. Um, excited to have had my career take me to the Pentagon. It's been awesome. Um, I'm a military brat, Air Force more specifically, oh. so I pretty much bled blue my whole life. Um, joined the Air Force at 18 years old, uh, went to Shaw Air Force Base, did a stint in recruiting for a couple of years, uh, kind of was my own boss for a little bit, brought in new people to serve the Air Force, which was an awesome experience. I uh, did a tour in Korea, um, my AFSC is administration, so I've pretty much been able to lead as the NCO to command chief. I've worked in the SSO at the 7th Air Force, been at CENTCOM, COCOM levels, which has taken me here to work on this um, well-esteemed staff with Vice Chairman Colonel Barbini. So thank you all for having us today. Um, I'm looking forward to the conversation and excited to talk chat. Where, where do you claim home, just, just by uh, chance? A little bit everywhere. My mom and dad are from Atlanta, Georgia, so okay. when it comes to like traveling back home and everything, Atlanta's always the pit stop where we call home. But between my driver's license, my license plate tags, my driver's license, everything, <laughs> it's a little bit of, you know, a conglomerate of where I'm from. <laughs> right. I, I, how about home life? Uh, if you don't mind me asking, home life right now. Spouse, kids, dogs, cats. No kids. Got a pet son named Axel, Siberian Husky, who nice. is uh, shading all over the house. Um, I have a husband named Asif. Uh, we've been together now for about five years. So, yeah, awesome. we are your new normal. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes, uh, Colonel G? Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Jessica Jaguar Guarini. Rawr. Um, <laughs> I grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, home of the Amish. Um, so, tiny little town. We actually only had one traffic light in my entire town, which is crazy. And we didn't even have a post office. Uh, we had to you know, use a, a neighboring town's post office. So wow. lots of uh, Amish and Mennonite farms when you open my back door up, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then after I graduated uh, high school, I decided to go do ROTC at University of Delaware. So um, the blue hens? Heck yeah, the mighty blue hens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, also, I, I didn't mention my parents. My dad was a warden of a prison and my mom was a teacher uh, in elementary school. So very diverse uh, growing up. My mom actually ended up driving an hour and a half to and from Philadelphia every day to go teach elementary school. Oh, so wow. yeah, wow, she's pretty amazing. I've got one sister, uh, Alyssa, and a brother-in-law and they live in 
Jersey right now and they've got like a three acre little farm um, and we're a really close family. So, uh, so yeah, after high school, decided to go do RTC, got a, a scholarship, which I was very lucky to get. Um, I wasn't sure at that time if I wanted to join the Army or the Air Force. So I had a really great mentor who was a Navy POW and he guided me, uh, I would say gently, but no, pretty aggressively toward the Air Force. Yeah. Um, so I was doing something called Army Ranger Challenge. I was in a foxhole my sophomore year and I made some amazing friends in Army Ranger Challenge, but man, we went on FTX. It's like 10 degrees outside. My MRE is glowing. And I was like, yep, I want to be in the Air Force. So uh, pretty moment, uh, memorable moment in my life there. Uh, I am unfortunately too short to be a pilot. So fun fact, but I am a pilot. Um, so I know you guys already know this, but never accept a no from someone who doesn't have the authority to tell you yes. So I've had a lot of great people that have backed me with things that I've wanted to do. So when I got my pilot slot, uh, I needed to go do a, a test sitting in different cockpits so that I could show that I could touch the right switches and be safe. Right. Um, so I got my waiver, which was awesome. Uh, and then went to pilot training in Oklahoma. And my first assignment was out in Kadena. So I flew the KC-135, the gas tank. No one kicks ass without tanker gas. Right. <laughs> and then following that, I got to go stand up a total force integration squadron uh, down at Seymour Johnson. So a reserve wing and a active duty uh, KC-135 squadron, which is pretty cool to see, especially as a younger officer. Um, that definitely broke a lot of stereotypes that I had going in of what I thought the reserves were. Uh, following that assignment, I got picked up for something called Phoenix Mobility. So it's Air Mobility Command's internship program uh, for leadership. They allow us to integrate earlier as officers with a lot of our amazing enlisted force um, and multiple Air Force specialty codes, uh, as you guys know, in the contingency response wing. Right. So I got that opportunity, which was really amazing, especially, like I said, as a young officer. Um, and then following my assignment there, went to school down in Maxwell, and then I headed over to Germany um, to work in something called Global Force Integration which is a, it's a strategic way that we figure out where we're going to put forces. Um, really, it's just a lot of magic is what I call it. Uh, and then I got to go out to be uh, in Insterlich as the chief of safety and stayed as the commander of the 22nd Expeditionary Air Refueling Squadron. So my squadron out there, uh, we had multiple uh, specialty codes. So we had maintainers in my squadron, uh, along with having operators, with you know, loggies. We had... Weather, intel, everything was pretty neat, and even medical. Um, and before I took command, we were two separate squadrons, uh, a little bit still integrating. So I had two separate CSSs. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy. I was like, "What? Why are we doing this? This is this does not seem efficient." Um, so we fused everybody together as the twenty second years mighty mules, um, <laughs> and then. The big, awesome opportunity following that, where I got to meet you guys, right. was 621st CRS, so Contingency Response Squadron. I got to take command, which was amazing. So, And then, lo and behold, I'm here. Um, like I talked to you uh, earlier, I didn't apply for this job. Um, I don't, anyone who wants to be an aide-de-camp is crazy. I'm not sure, you know, that type of person. But anybody who gets to be an aide-de-camp is extremely blessed. 
Um, and I'm very grateful for this opportunity. So that's where I'm at. You're the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And I think you introduced me, but uh, I didn't particularly know much about what the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff was before I came to this job. Um, but it's the second highest ranking military member in all of the military. So I, I know there's been a lot of press about General Milley out there. It's his number two. So my right. boss, um, who just recently retired, was General Hyten. He was in the Air Force. And now it's Admiral Grady. So I'm learning all things Navy. Uh, so I, I want to preface our interview today with, uh, so obviously we've got listeners, they, they've at this point have heard multiple episodes that we've done. When Rafi and Trini and I first kind of got involved a little bit with this, uh, the squadron, that we were in with you, with, with our commander, we were really pushing forward and you were really pushing forward talks on extremism and diversity and inclusion and us fostering an environment where we could talk with everybody and, and try to get to understand everybody's ideas, opinions, and make everybody feel like they're worthy and part of the unit and that their opinion matters and, you know, and, and to build each other up so we could push forward as a team together. It was one of your big initiatives, uh, before you left, uh, the, really the last year that you were there, not before you left, we we had motivational speakers. It was it was it was really a great time, and it was really a great time to foster communication and uh, build trust amongst uh, subordinates and leaders and fellow members in the unit. Um, but also, <laughs> when it came, when we got blessed with this podcast, one of the very first people that popped in my head to talk to and leaders that I appreciated and that we appreciated was you. So, uh, yeah, of course. Oh, and since you had, since you had developed such an easy way to communicate for us to communicate to leaders, it was very easy for me to pick up my cell phone and call my old squadron commander and say, Hey ma'am, got an idea for you. What do you think? Uh, I, I was not, I was not uh, reserved at all to, to, to ask. So I, I appreciate that you fostered that in, in us, but, um, also, I appreciate that you answered and was like, yes, let's, <laughs> let's, yeah, of course I'll talk with you guys. Yes. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk whatever you guys want to talk. And then uh, it seemed like you were like, it was a very heartwarming yes from you when you realized what we were talking about diversity and inclusion. I'm super humbled to be here. Thank you guys so much, seriously. And I'm super proud of you all. Yeah. This is awesome, especially that you're doing this on your own initiative and it's not something that you've been directed to do. I think that that speaks volumes. Awesome. Thank you so much, ma'am. Well, Rafi, what do you got for us and our guest today? Hey, guys. I'm super excited to be here at the Pentagon, and I'm glad that we are bringing up uh, a topic that we've touched on a lot throughout this podcast, but now we're going to dive deep into it. We're going to actually be talking about unconscious bias. I know a lot of our listeners heard us bring up different aspects of it, and we talked about unconscious bias, but very, very short uh, terms with our different topics and how it relates to everything, but now we're going to do a deep dive into it. So what is un unconscious bias? So if you could think of it like this, so think of it as mental shortcuts that aid your decision-making process. And best way to understand it is think about like your brain, it gets millions of pieces of information every day, and it has to make shortcuts in order to process all that information. Could you imagine if you were sitting here right now looking at, and your brain is like, okay, that color is blue, that color is slightly different than blue, and you go on along the lines of that, you would never be able to do anything. So your unconscious takes over and it creates these mental shortcuts as, as you, as you're going through your day. And, um, another easy way to think about it is think about when you drive your car. So when you drive your car, you are not, unless you're a first time, first time driver, you're pretty much already used to driving your car. And sometimes you could actually drive all the way to the point where you're getting there, get out of your car and say, I don't remember driving here. 
That's because your unconscious basically takes over as you're, as you're driving. So it's an unconscious bias. So the issue that happens is it can skew your judgments and reinforce some stereotypes based off what, what is being done, and it could cause harm to the community, and it could cause harm to organizational structure. So that is, that is unconscious bias in a nutshell. And do you guys have any stories that you guys would like to share regarding um, maybe some unconscious bias that you've seen or, or, uh, or actually maybe have had a deal with? Um, for myself, okay, so joining in 2005, um, I'll always like to like tie it back to my upbringing in the Air Force, coming in under Don't Act, Don't Tell, um, and having to kind of like hide who we were and kind of like live under the radar and still perform at the same caliber as our peers, but not being able to show who we truly are. Um, I feel like unconscious bias from people on the outside looking in, if I ever were to come out even initially after Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, I'd feel that some type of unconscious bias would pop in with people being like, oh, well, as gay people are portrayed in TV or were, now it's a little bit more accurate representation, but it was also kind of like always the flamboyant person, always the person who is sassy. And with me being a, a young black man at the time, it's like that's always like a double sword or a double-edged sword, like, oh, the young gay black sassy guy. But not wanting that to... Um, affect my work ethic and whatnot or have those preconceived notions like drive how I take care of the mission and whatnot. I kind of like had to bury that deep down and just work as if someone asked questions about like, hey, how's your family? What are you doing this week and everything? I would just kind of like not even worry about talking about that because I didn't want people having this preconceived notion or unconscious bias about the type of person I am, the type of work ethic I'm to give back to the Air Force because oh, he's gay, this is how he's going to act, or he's black, this is how he's going to be type of deal. So having to suppress that and kind of hide that part of who I am, it gave nobody a reason to be like, oh, well, the reason why his work ethic sucks is because he's this. So not giving that person the leverage to kind of like lean on if my work did sometimes falter. Right. I, so I And just, I was trying to think of an example, but just you bringing that up, right? Because I've, I've been around for 20 years now as well. Um, I happen to be supervising quite a few folks uh back when when this was all getting re- repealed uh i had i had a troop and and they were uh they kept their private life very quiet because of because of that um there was a lot of times where we would try to do something as an office to include everybody in the office and and they would not show up uh they were always busy with family or friends and we would say look bring your family bring your friends well, um, you know, absolutely. The, the, we're, I'm going out of town with them. Like I, I was aware of this person's personal life, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like an outright like exactly like you said. Um, I, I wasn't a hundred percent aware because I was in a role of leadership. I, you know, there was rumors or whatnot that were going around, but I could understand after the fact why they were the way they were, and they definitely. It took a while after. Don't ask, don't tell was repealed for them to come completely out um, with, with with everything. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I could understand after the fact why they were that way. Yeah, it was like being very like vague and like, like you said, what are you doing on the weekends? Very vague and who hanging out with and whatnot, as well as um, job opportunities coming up and, you know, sometimes not wanting that to affect you getting hired for that particular position. So it's like, all right, I'm just going to bury this deep and then probably around like maybe 2017 probably like a whole nother five six years later that's when i started becoming more comfortable because start seeing that oh okay well it's not too bad you're not gonna get kicked out oh everybody's a little bit you know more accepting and welcoming because of the generation that we're living in now the whole cancel culture too 
brings into that. So <laughs> right, yeah, you know? it was it was definitely like I knew I I've always tried to be somebody that gets to know all of my coworkers or uh, subordinates uh, or leaders if they're available to me like that just to to to, to kind of get and it was always weird with with this person because they, they, they had to close themselves off or they felt the need to close themselves off. So I knew that they, they were having issues with their personal life, but they wouldn't go into details and be like, look, okay, if you, you, I, I get that you're not gonna talk to me about it. Like, do you have somebody, do you have a support system? Is your family, like you're not gonna ask anybody here at work, apparently, like, do you have friends and family nearby? They, they were from the same state that we were stationed in. Um, but, uh, and they, they, they made it through their struggles and, awesome. and eventually, you know, everything, it, it's just kind of unfortunate at the time. But yeah, um, they, they were also afraid of all the bias uh, that, you know, they might receive for the way that, you know, their personal life was. Absolutely. No, I think these are great points. I know that um, we've talked about how you see people and then also how you see yourself and you subconsciously are afraid that people aren't going to see you as your genuine self and accept you for that person. Um, and that they're going to, like you said, kind of put their own biases on your work ethic or whatever that is based off of what their own preconceived notions are of certain stigmas of people, whether it be gender, race, religion, anything like that. So everybody just wants to be their true authentic self. And, and I think ultimately when we can be those people, our work productivity is like super amazing. And we work so much better as a team uh, being inclusive. Right. Uh, I know that uh, one of the first experiences other than, being in a career field that only has a minimum amount of females in it. Um, another experience I kind of talked about was working at Seymour Johnson and uh, we were standing up the first active associate for KC 135s and the unit I came in and, you know, some of the people had preconceived notions of what a reserve pilot does or, or how they act or reservists in general. Right. Um, and I, I didn't really have much experience, so I didn't have any of those stereotypes. So instead of seeing it as a, like a you and me, it was more of an us and we, we have the same mission, we're doing the same things, we're working in the same building. Um, and how do we get to that place? So how do we break down those stereotypes and start to see each other as like one team, one fight rather than segregated and separated? And, and sometimes differences are extremely good and beneficial because we will, you know, benefit the entire group with the way that we see things and what we bring to the table. But ultimately it's interesting psychologically. Like if you see each other so different, then you don't ever hear the other person or right. you can't connect. Yeah. I'm sorry, Rebecca, I know you're about to jump in, but on the flip side of, of the don't ask, don't tell. And I just remember this as a personal story. Um, I had family members that, um, that one of my, my first cousin, uh, he super great guy. We were, great friends growing up. Um, he's gay. Uh, he didn't talk to me for five years when I was in the military because of a bias, because he thought he had, he was afraid. Well, no, he wasn't military. He's civilian. He just, oh. because I was a, a white male in the military and the military is not Correct. pro gay at the time. Mm. Um, he just assumed like, uh, mm. you were going to judge him or you weren't going to. Right. Yeah. Cousin that you grew so, up. you know, uh, it that, was his conscious bias. Yeah, maybe conscious bias. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, you're right. That's not unconscious. That that, that one's conscious bias. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, you know, on on the flip side of that, sorry. So, well, guys, what, what you guys are touching on is called uh, perception bias. So this is when there we go. This is when you guys are are uh, looking at people and you're you're assigning stereotypes and and um, assumptions of of that of that person. So if you think of uh, 
if you think of basically what you're talking about, so like um, you look at someone and you see, for example, you said um, you see a female pilot um, in one of our earlier earlier conversations, and you, you see a, a female doing the pilot role. Um, for a lot of people, they may have the perception that they, they don't see you in that role, right? So, so and it comes from a lot of different things. Um, some of it is from the society. So, as I said, unconscious bias is unconscious. So, you don't necessarily know that you're making these biased decisions or these biased uh, assumptions of people. And it comes from, from these shortcuts that the brain is making. So, for females, um, if a lot of females, um, if you grow up watching, watching um, TV shows and older TV shows and things like that, they see a lot of females not necessarily in the leadership role or the pilot seat in old World War II movies and things like that. You see them doing, doing other things, right? So then you have this perception, right, of, of this perception bias. Say, well, well, oh, you're a female in the military. Oh, you must you must handle the radio, or you, or you must be a secretary, right? And and that's not that's not true at all. You you actually fly the plane, which is a very very big difference. Um, and and people have that 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 uh, perception bias when it comes to that. Another thing um, that 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 tends to do is uh, we as people have have a have something as well where we have our unconscious bias, and we tend to want to feel safe. And part of the part of the way we like to feel safe is we like to go to uh, be around people that we we feel safe around. And sometimes it could be a uh, um, affiliation bias or, or affinity bias. And that's when you feel a connection to those that are similar to you. So essentially, like say for example, if I was a certain sexuality and um, I was uh, say say I was a homosexual and I would feel safe being around other homosexuals. Um, and and that not necessarily be true at all. Um, in fact, uh, it, it it could it could end up being the, the opposite. With some some uh, criminal research shows that you know men suffer from from rape as well and, and things like that. So it could actually be the opposite. But we we have this bias of, of thinking that hey we could feel safe around around certain people or we could feel um, we we feel like they they will we will do better or we'll work together with, with certain people just because they look like us or they they follow the same same train of thought um, of of what we what we what what we identify with or our personal identity and we'll end up doing that or we'll end up uh, assigning them roles or giving them job positions or or having them more near us and when the reality is they might not actually be the best candidate for the job sure definitely mm-hmm. and then you don't you don't grow you don't give your chance yourself the chance to grow so even as a young captain i had started like taking young uh, female co-pilots underneath my wing and you know i'd mentor them they would mentor me and I remember my squadron commander calling me into his office one day and saying, Jaguar, you need to mentor guys too. And I thought, man, he is so selfish. Like the guys get so much attention and mentorship by themselves. What now it's funny, you know, years removed and more experience. I look back and I'm like, no, he was saying that if you don't include the guys to mentor them as well, you don't provide them that perspective that you're giving. And then they also can mentor you too. So um, like I went to a, a, a women in aviation conference, uh, when I was a CGO and, uh, they had a bunch of different women mentoring each other panels saying, you know, like breastfeeding, like what do you breast, you know, if you need to pump in the jet, um, and then family planning with deployments and things right. like that. And I looked around and I was like, Oh, this is great information. Like this is stuff. I mean, I was single. I didn't have, um, I, I don't have quite yet of uh, my own immediate family other than my dad and my sis, but I thought to myself too, I looked around and I was like, man, we're all the guys in here too. Like, <laughs> like if I'm learning all this stuff and I'm like, this is very helpful information. Like we're, you know, where, where can we mentor each other with, with this information? So. Uh, for myself, um, I would say probably 
when it comes to meeting people of different backgrounds, I think growing up in the military and everything, kind of like meeting people right off the jump and everything being a social butterfly, I was kind of already introduced to this world, kind of like accepting people who they were, um, people of different backgrounds, uh, having to make friends on the drop of a dime and having to move from one place to another and everything and having to start over from scratch. But going back to what I said earlier, accepting everyone for who they are, but yet having to not be accepted for who I am. But now in a position of leadership where I have people that are coming up under me where it's like we're very accepting, trying to get people to step outside of their box and be like, hey, you know, like kind of like what you were saying, Colonel Barbini, like it helps us grow as a team if you're allowing people to work and live their truth, uh, to come to work happy, ready to perform for the team without having to worry about what somebody's thinking about them. So it's like, hey, we're coming together. Hey, might have a different background, uh, but you sometimes have to accept people's differences for what they are. Learn about them. Might not have to like them, but hey, appreciate them for what they bring to the fight. Well, and and I'll add this to this, um, and, and it might be the first time I've kind of dove into this on the podcast. So yay for first of the Pentagon and 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 uh, what I'm about to mention. So um, the affinity bias and like feeling more comfortable with people that you associate versus uh, not. So I I've been dealing with crowd anxiety. Uh, as of late, um, and, and um, you know, I, I've I've been going to mental health to, to 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 deal with this issue, right? Because if you need help, you go get help. And so, um, all these exercises and fun things to do with that. That aside, but what I realized while I was doing all of these exposure therapies and and trying to make it so anxiety is not a thing for me in these crowded environments was, I don't have that anxiety when I am surrounded by military members. Mm. It's when I'm not surrounded by military members. So like we go to an airport that's loaded, loaded up a civilian airport. And I'm like, ha, ah. but if I go to a PAX terminal and there's 300 guys and gals getting ready to head out the door, like high fives, let's go and let's get out the door. I, you know, anywhere, a crowded commissary, not an issue. Crowded Walmart. Okay. Like I, I need to run through these exercises. I recognize that, that my anxiety is getting a little bit triggered right now. Let me run through these things. So like long-term and, and I'm glad I got it recognized and I'm, I'm glad that I've received help and I've gotten help to, to deal with these things. But like long-term that would have shut off a whole bunch of my life. If I would have been like, not going to go to Walmart, where's the nearest commissary? Not going to go to, can I, can I just fly the PAX terminal and take hops instead of actually take flights? You, you know, how much of that, how much of my life would have gotten shut off? How much of your life is shut off if you just associate with your affinity bias and and only deal with the things that you're comfortable with. Um, it, you know, you're not you're not including other other things in your life if you, if you just go with you. Um, How boring is that? You know, like if you don't challenge and learn new things and ways of thinking, like right, yeah, that's a pretty boring life. Like, right. Yeah. So outside the box. So what you guys are what you guys are touching on. So like uh, affinity bias is is the connection that we feel with, with those that are similar to us, right? So you have that like connection, right? Right. Like, uh, you see it a lot in Armenians. Um, so everyone that's, <laughs> that's heard us heard me talk before, I, I am Armenian American, and and I, I will tell you right now, um, I I got the the privilege to meet uh, another Armenian, and he was a, he was a higher ranking officer in the military. Um, he he had made it made it uh, to the FGO level, and uh, it was almost immediately like it was it was like we saw each other and we knew we were both Armenian, and we immediately started speak ask ask each other, are you Armenian in Armenian? And then we got super excited and started talking to each other. And there was almost like a feeling of connection. So that, that, that bias is there. It, it just happens and it is, it is how it is. But what you guys are talking about where, where, you're, where you're, you're almost projecting positive qualities on other people without actually knowing them, that's, that, that one is called the halo, halo effect, effects. right? Like, 
So you put that you're putting a halo on people like like oh th this is you know th this is positive qualities of that you can do that and there's a lot of different things that go with this and one of the most common ones that you do see with this is is not necessarily like grouping per se like like as far as like like oh they're in the military I'm in the military or in the marine I'm in the marines it it, it not it doesn't necessarily need to be like that so like think of it more um, in the business world as well you 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 hear a lot of talk about this but attractiveness plays a big role in in the halo halo effect so if you are actually attracted to someone regardless if if, if you know you, you're keeping a profession or not there is a halo effect that occurs to to when you are attracted to someone um and and it it, it tends to cause um two different things and i wanted to touch on these a little bit um i know we did an episode uh before and we, we did it about microaggressions but when 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 you start using the halo effect and you're 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 doing that confirmation bias that, that we talk, we've talked about before and we we'll, we can talk a little bit about that too. But when you're following the halo effect and and say you're going for that 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 I'm I'm putting all, all this person's great this person's great and then like you you might actually be doing some of those microaggressions to all your other people that are doing just as much of the same work and they're like, well where's my praise you know so so it's just something to think about when when we. When, when when we're doing some of these things, and obviously with, with your your scenario that that's that's a lot different, and you're, you're working through your mental health and, and something like that, too, with right? The crowd, with the crowd, uh, dealing with crowds, and, and that goes along the lines with military members, um, suffering with PTSD and so on like that. You know, you, sometimes you, you you do you do end up having that, and you can see you could kind of start beginning to understand how the how the human psyche works when it when it comes to um, conscious bias and unconscious bias. Prime example, I would think like oh oh yeah. So as far as like um. On the joint staff being joint, uh, kind of like back to the whole military thing, like, hey, we put the halo effect on being military. But like being on the joint staff, we have all these different services um, competing for certain jobs and everything. But the halo effect for me being Air Force automatically drops that halo on the Air Force person who's probably doing the same thing as a 42 Alpha who's um, Army or a Line 1 who's Navy. But because they're Air Force, I'm like, oh, they're 3 of 5 administration. Uh, they speak my language and everything. Oh, you should give them the job, but also because of the other services. And sometimes how we poke fun, fun at each other with right. microaggressions, like, oh, you know, like, well, you know, because they're Navy, they're this way, or they're Marines, they're this way. It kind of like sometimes hinders the process with trying to hire who's best for the job, even though we all perform possibly at the same level. So something I'm guilty of, but sometimes do it in a joking way, but guilty. I mean, that's how PJ <laughs> and I got the, because we're so beautiful. That's how we got these jobs. <laughs> absolutely. So, you should yeah. see me. No, absolutely not. We actually did talk about the fact of how they removed pictures from a lot of the competitive jobs that we, you know, can submit for. Um, so I, I thought that was very interesting that, was that we take that out of the bias. I know that there's like name bias too, you know, right. when you have a certain name, sometimes people mm -hmm. uh, associate it with um, whether it be a gender or religion or a background. Um, so there, we know that, that that is there as well. So it's interesting as we apply for different things um, that we don't uh, focus either on with the halo effect, like Rafi had mentioned, or even just one amazing thing. Like, so say somebody had some amazing award in their record, right? Instead of looking at the whole person concept, like honing in on, well, they were this, right. they must be, you know, they must be fantastic. Okay. Yeah. They did get that. That is great. And why did they get that? So actually looking at, you know, more of the meat as to the applicant or, or even just if they're in your office, like how we treat people and how we communicate. So. Number one, thank you, Rafi. I, I love sometimes I'll go off on a little bit of a tangent, and you're like, oh, you're almost there, but what you're actually, that's so awesome. I like, <laughs> like it because it, it, you know, fosters this, like, let's continue to talk about this topic. So I might be off base on this one, too, as well. And it's right up the neck of the woods that, like, you were just talking about with awards or packages. 
quite a few times at this point, especially in the CR, I, I've been on, on awards boards, right? Um, and uh, I, I have this hard time, like if I'm at the group level looking at packages and I know one of them came from my squadron, I have such a hard time looking and going, all right, I'm going to show favoritism towards this guy or gal that's in my unit, towards this person that's in my unit. Like, I'm going to show them favoritism. Uh, and I grade it so much harder than I do the other two. Yes, I, I remember. Like, we did that. We took the names off. I forgot about that until just now. We took the names off. Well, I, but yeah. there's taking names off, but at this point, too, I'm, I'm a, yeah, but like usually at the squadron level. Yeah. Right, I, I'm part of the murder board, yes. and I helped grade, like, make that package better before it went to the group. And now here I am at the group, and there is the NCO that I just uh. like. I know the bullets. I helped murder board those bullets, and so um, it was. I had a, a, a supervisor who noticed me doing that for, at the airman level boards uh, two years ago, um, and she was like, "You can't do that. Like, you really can't do that. You're you're being unfair to your own people yes. at this point. Like, you need to just look at it, and if you can't." differentiate then you know either a recognize you can't differentiate and get somebody else to help you and take a look mm -hmm. at it or b don't volunteer for boards because you know you're going to run into this in the future yeah so short story sh or long story short if that's even a thing right now because it's a long story already um i you know i i started i recognize that so uh i started trying like okay it doesn't matter look at this bullet how is it written look at this bullet how's it written how's this package full package <laughs> And I'm just happy that, like, since I've done that, it hasn't been every single time my guy's the winner. It hasn't been every single time my guy's or my person is not the winner. Um, it's it's been a pretty thing, pretty pretty unanimous thing. When it goes forward to the board, I'm right on. It's fair. With yeah, it's with like yeah, the other judges are like, oh yeah, you did the NCO two number one, NCO three number two, uh, you know, A, B, and C was two one three. Yep, that's what everybody else said. Good. I was like, yes. <laughs> I'm so, wrong. But I. Was I on topic, or did I start to swing us into something else? <laughs> no, no, yeah. So you, you did a little bit, and, yes. and uh, what you guys are, you know, what you do. So like, like there's two things you brought up, and and both both you and uh, Jack here have have bought this stuff, and it, it got me thinking. So, um, and you guys brought it up in different ways, uh, and there's there's a topic. It's called imposter syndrome. All right, Rafi. Before we get into imposter syndrome, though, we're going to take a pause. Join us next time when we pick up our talks with Jack and PJ on Unconscious Bias. If you like that episode, please like and subscribe. Also, follow us on Facebook. If you wish to make contact with the JBMDL Diversity and Inclusion Working Group, please email 87abw.cvb.diversityinclusion at us.af.mil.